This is Movieology, your ticket to digging deeper into the meaning of movies. With their monthly reviews and analysis, hosts Eric and Michael sift through new releases, hits of the year, and favorites of all time to uncover the Christian worldview implications of the silver screen. So here are your hosts, Eric Rauch and Michael Minkoff. All right, which episode number is this? I think this is four, isn't it? Episode four of the uh, vast and powerful movieology enterprise, which hopefully will not go down in flames as much as the uh, USS Enterprise has in the past few movies. Yeah, so today we're going to talk about Argo, the film Argo. By the way, I'm uh, Michael. I'm Eric. We're going to be your hosts. Basically, we're going to have a conversation about the film Argo that we just watched uh, last night for the first time. We are at the DD Cigar Store Company. DD and Company Incorporated Cigar Place in Hiram. In Hiram, Georgia. Yeah. Very nice place. Uh, I'm feeling very mellow right now. It's kind of smoky. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah, how'd that happen? I don't know. I'm pretty sure I'm not contributing to it, <laughs> not in the least. All right. Well, also, we wanted to do a little housekeeping real quick. I don't know for those of you who have followed the evolution of movieology over time, but uh, it used to be a filmed web show, kind of like a web video show or whatever. And uh, Joe Darnell and Stuart Adams were the main hosts. Eric was the host of it occasionally, and I hosted it occasionally. And I think that's our, those videos are still available, right? Oh, and they are coming to the Movie Byte website. By popular demand. Yeah, awesome. Movie Byte is kind of the umbrella uh, group. TJ Draper and Joseph Darnell are the main guys for that. They have a podcast every Wednesday, and uh, that's pretty cool. We are wanting to let you know, our faithful three Movieology listeners... So apparently we do have a, a couple of fans. I don't... Yeah. So anyway, that I'm just letting you know because if you want to be part of the, the larger family here, Movie Byte, they, they do more general reviews. We're more specifically philosophical slash theological, hence the name Movieology, Movieological. Yes. And uh, anyway, they do more general reviews and what to watch in theaters on such and such weekends and different movie news and updates and stuff like that they'll do trailers and funny stuff and other kinds of things it's pretty cool anyway so we're a subset of the movie bite family now anyway i just wanted to let you know in case you see something about movie bite and it's connected to movieology that's why it is because we are we are uh we're a special group in the movie bite family now anyway moving on so let's talk about argo Let's, let's talk about the narrative of Argo first, and then we'll talk about the meta-narrative. Which All right, let's do that. The meta-narrative of Argo is a lot more interesting to me than the narrative in a lot of ways, but uh, let's just go ahead and get the uh, the narrative out of the way. Uh, so tell me, Eric, filmmaking-wise, script-writing, directing, acting, what kind of a movie was this? Did it deserve to win the Oscar? That, that's, what, that's what I'm kind of um, puzzled over. I don't think it did. I don't. I don't know that it was the best movie of 2012. Do you name a better one, right off the top of your head? In your opinion, obviously. Probably not. Not not being put on the spot like that. I can't. It was a bad year, actually. Kind of. I don't even remember which ones were nominated. What else was nominated that that year? Uh, last year. I'm not exactly sure either. I'm pretty sure Life of Pi was. I'm pretty sure that. Uh, Les Mis was right. Was Les Mis? Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, it was. It was well done. It was definitely. It was definitely Oscar. Um, was worthy of being nominated, but I don't know that it was. I don't know if it, if it was the best movie of. Two, I didn't really see a ton of movies last year, so I don't. I don't know that it's. Um, I'm probably the best guy to ask, but it just didn't. Although I'm, I'm often underwhelmed by the Oscar winners. Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, and that's the thing is you know that the Oscar winners, that there's a politics involved oh, of course. in that. Right. And, which is perfect for this movie because this movie is all about Hollywood and politics. Right. But that's more about the meta narrative, so we'll get to that. But right. remind us 
we'll <laughs> remind us, Eric. We'll talk about that later <laughs> because I really think that the the Washington Hollywood combination is one of the more interesting parts of the meta narrative of this film. Agreed. Um, okay, but as far as the narrative, uh, it's a well made movie, though, right? I mean, it is. Yes. Oh, yes. There's nothing yeah. that's there's no glaring errors. It, it does feel a little typical to me, and yeah, maybe yeah. that's because Ben Affleck is a fairly young director, right. and so he was going with a lot of the tropes that you would expect. Yeah, I don't know that he took many chances. No, he, he didn't just, take hardly right. any chances. Right. I mean, um, he, the, even the music selection, there was one particular scene where the music was just, in my opinion, straight up cheesy. I can't, re- I can't even remember. It was a Van Halen song, wasn't it? When they... No. Nah. It, just, it just, just didn't... I like yeah, okay. It is seventy nine, and that yeah. is off Van Halen one. Okay, but why? Why? Why that song? That was a little incongruous. Yeah, <laughs> I also thought it was funny that they they chose to play uh, "When the Levee Breaks" by Led Zeppelin rather than "Cashmere." Uh, yeah, "Cashmere" would have been a great song for right. that movie because right. it's like America, Eastern, you know, Middle Eastern America kind of thing. But. Um, but no, there was one scene where it was the score. Whoever wrote the score, and it was, you know, the violins going, and it was just really overweening, like like movie music can typically be. It was like very typical emotional movie music. Like I wouldn't have been surprised to hear something like this in a Disney movie. You know, at the resolution, it was at the resolution where everybody's hugging, hugging each other. It reminded me of Apollo thirteen in the same scene when like everybody got out. And everybody was like. Like everybody's hugging and crying, and oh, this is, it was supposed to be cathartic, but it ended up to me just kind of being cheap. But um, because I mean, I, I but I guess I'm probably sensitive, and I think you're really sensitive to cheap sentiment. Like to me, I don't like when I when I feel like a movie is starting to try to get me to feel something. As soon as I feel that the movie is attempting to get me to feel something, I'm very resistant to feel what it's trying to get me to feel. And in yeah. that particular scene, it just it, it was a little too obvious for my taste. But, Over the top. Um, but again, the, I think that has to do with Ben Affleck being a young director and kind of not wanting to do, not wanting to be chancy, but at the same time wanting to be edgy, yeah. which is a very odd combination of drives. And, and that, that adds to the sort of feeling of conflict in the movie. And I, by conflict, I actually mean like an internal conflict where the movie was almost at odds with itself in many ways. Um, even from a technical perspective, it seems to almost be at odds with itself. Yeah, the um, the thing that I appreciated about it, the, really the most, I would I would say, is that in in movies like that, in the uh, the one that comes to mind is is oddly enough um, with 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 Matt Damon um, called The Good Shepherd. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. I did see it. I don't remember anything about it. That's exactly right because it was such a twisted like there's just so much going on in it and there's there's a lot of whispering mm-hmm. um, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of important dialogue that you have to go wait wait what did you just say because I couldn't hear I, I got to turn it up a minute and then and then something comes blasting through your speakers and wakes your kids up, you know? Oh, yeah, that's especially the case on Blu-ray. Have you noticed this? Yeah, yeah, it does seem that way. On- uh, well, that's because they have a, a, a greater dynamic range. I was talking to somebody about this. It was 16-bit audio on DVDs, and now it's 24-bit, which means there's a higher dynamic range on, out of Blu-rays, and they're taking advantage of it. So that means that the... That but most people at home aren't. Aren't. They're, no. they're still pushing it through the same little speakers. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So as far as they're concerned, they have to turn it up really loud when the dialogue comes in. And right. then all of a sudden when the action scene happens and it starts rocking, I mean, they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. I'm going to wake the kids up. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, but this didn't really have a lot of that. There wasn't a lot of nuance to it. Um, and I would, I would say nuance for nuance's sake. You know, scenes where... Yeah. Where, where guys are whispering, you know, they may be. Who knows? They're they're not anywhere near where somebody could hear them, but they still whisper, and it's it's just for like the sake of the movie. Well, this is a really poignant moment. They have yeah. to whisper here, um, and that this didn't really have it. It didn't involve a whole lot of people. No, we're talking about the CIA here, right? So this could have had a lot. There could have been a ton of different actors in it, different guys playing different different bit parts, and for the most part, it was it was three three main guys. Well, four, I guess. We got. John Goodman and uh, Alan Arkin, who are the who are the Hollywood guys, and then um, Ben Affleck and uh, Brian Cranston. What's his name? Brian Cranston. Brian Cranston from Breaking um, Bad. The guy from uh, Breaking Bad are the two main CIA guys, and there's you know, there's other people that that you that you see, but but really those are the 
those are the four people you have to you have to know who they are, what their roles are, yeah. And then of course the hostages, mm-hmm. and it, it, it was it was really it was really a pretty bare bones storyline, and that that helps. And something it did in, in a movie with 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 that much, it it could have had a lot more complexity. But I felt like they dealt with the at least the international or political complexity right. of that situation fairly well. Like right. I thought that was treated pretty well, right. Uh, because that was a, a crazy situation. Right. I, I don't remember it. I had I I I, you know, obviously I was I even alive at the time. Yeah. Well, I get seventy nine. Yeah, I wasn't alive at the time. Oh, well, you weren't. I was born in eighty three. Yeah, that might explain why you don't remember it. Yes. Yeah. I, I I'm pretty sure I can't have prenatal memories. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That'd be. Yeah. That'd be weird. Yeah. So anyway. Um, but yeah, I, I know some people, like a couple of people at work were saying they remembered that. And how could you not remember? It was 444 days where the main hostages were there. I remember it. I That's mean, crazy, I, man. I, you know, I, I would have been eight. So I remember it in as, in as much as an eight-year-old remembers it. I remember people talking about it. I remember seeing it on the news. What, what's, what's really, I don't know if shocking is the right word, but what's really weird to me is to look back and see some of those 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 brought those news broadcasts from 1979. Yeah, holy cow, those things look like they were from like the 40s. Yeah, you know, and but I was alive then. It, does, it doesn't seem like it was that long ago. But but things have things have changed a lot in yeah in in clothing styles in, in the way that it looks and uh, it's 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 just amazing to me. It's, it's all more polished. Seems like it's, it's archaic. Yeah, because it's all more polished now. Yeah, and I mean that, that's part of the interest of the movie though is the fact that. Everything has become a production, right. even more so right. than it ever was before. When it comes to news, politics, movies, etc., everything is is, I guess, superficial. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what it boils down to it is more superficial. But uh, yeah, okay. Here's one thing that I thought about the narrative of the movie, and I think they did they did one thing in particular in order to try to soften the generality of it, but really. There was only one Iranian character in this film that wasn't a complete, crazy, angry, terrible human being. And that was the maid. That was the maid. Yeah. She was, like, the only Iranian that you have anything to do with in the movie that isn't just, like, screaming for the death of the great Satan. That's true. Even the extras were... Oh, yeah. yeah. They were all just, like, complete, mad, crazy people. Right. It was like the entire country of Iran was uh, apparently is, is characterized as just filled with crazy people. Now... Or at least the visible ones. And you wonder, is that... Is that accurate? Because... It does seem a little bit heavy-handed in one sense, and then in another sense, you're saying, well, maybe they threw in the Sahar to try and not be heavy-handed, but in fact, there it really was the case that just everybody in Iran, at least at that time, was just a bloodthirsty, mad, crazy, like, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know the answer to that either, but, but I think in a, in a lot of ways, it's going to be the visible people, those who are... Right. Those who are out in the streets, those who are who are who are who are our rate. Who, right. They are they are willing to forego their job or whatever they're doing that we're day. Or that, yeah. We'll, we'll, <laughs> Clearly, they whatever don't have they jobs. were doing. Their their job was to be out in the street and be vagrants. Um, but they were they were very unified in 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 the sense that they had they had they had a they had an enemy. They had a common they had a common goal, and they were all. When, when when one guy jumps jumps the fence, they, they all they all through. follow suit, and then they got like bolt cutters from someplace. Those yeah. looks like some pretty new bolt cutters, exactly. And that guy would have had to hop the fence. <laughs> exactly. What if they just run down to like the Abu's Ace Hardware or something? I don't know. Is that racist? Am I being terrible uh, right now? I don't know. I can't tell. No, but that's, that's the other thing. It becomes really difficult. Is I I okay? Obviously especially now it's pretty safe in America to release a movie that is fairly straightforwardly anti-islamic. Mm-hmm. I mean most Americans are like, you know, they're terrorists, they're bad people, they're, you know, blah 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 blah. Now, I know that that can't be the the absolute case. But when you look at these stories and you see what's going on, you see the actors that are in it. I'm not talking about the actors in a film sense. I'm talking about the people that are playing parts in the political scene mm-hmm. here over there 
you know, and even the social scene over there, it does seem pretty dismal. Right. Like, it seems really. And those are really the ones that, that the media actually report on. Mm hmm. So it's it's like they're trying to pick out the best of the worst, mm-hmm. and and they and still give us, can't even right right. It's still and 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 that was one of the things I mentioned to you last night. It reminded me, it was it was similar to at, at least what the media is presenting us with, and and with what um, conservative news newscasters and others trying to put together. It it, re, it reminds me a lot of what happened in Benghazi. Right. What what happened? It's it's like something's never changed. The American embassy is under attack. They're in there shredding documents, incinerating stuff. Yeah, and I, I mean, I could I could very easily see that's the same thing that happened in Benghazi. Well, and then so you have this issue there, except they didn't have the CIA trying to get them out. <laughs> right. No, they had people trying to deny that anything was going on. Right. Which is a significantly different situation, right. I guess. But I don't know. I'm just having a I'm having a lot of difficulty with that. I mean, I've never been to Iran. I've never been to Iraq. But the stories that I've heard from the Middle East in general is that that characterization as a dismal place filled with cruel-hearted people mm-hmm. well, I seems mean, to be pretty accurate in general. Yeah, I've when I was in the Navy, I'd I'd been to uh, the United Arab Emirates, which is like the like the resort place. I mean, that's that they're uh, I mean they're they're a Muslim country, yeah. but they're they also like like tourism, right? And, and, and they also like the money that, right. that Navy guys bring in. So when you go into town, there's I mean, you can get alcohol, you can get all these things that you're not supposed to get. Um, but the first the first day we were there, and and like I told you last night, when you're not in the city, it's it's just it's a huge ashtray. Yeah, there's 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 sand blowing around. It's and it it pelts you. I mean that's. That's why they're dressed from head to toe all the time. Because I mean, that 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 stuff hurts. That sand is blown around. It yeah, it's hot, but getting hit in the face with sand kind of sucks too. So, you know, I can't be any hotter. So yeah. I I just won't I just won't have any sand blowing in my face. Um, but the first time I heard the 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 call to worship blasting out of these out of these speakers, and I don't know where the speakers are. They're everywhere. It's it's like the it's like the omnipresent sound, man. It's just. It just it just appears and the the streets empty oh, out. Everybody's everybody's gone. Where did everybody go? It was it was freakish. Yeah. And for like fifteen twenty maybe maybe half an hour, it, they're just gone. We were the only ones around. It was it was eerie. It's like man, these people went to get are they, are they loading now? You know what what are they? Are, are, are they, they getting ready to attack us? Yeah, I, I don't. I just didn't. It was the first you know. And then after I've been there a couple of days, it becomes you get used to it. yeah. You get used to it. Um, but it was it was bizarre, man. It was definitely no place I ever wanted to go back to. It, it, it wasn't a welcoming feeling. No, no. <laughs> well, then there's the other side of it, though. And they, the other side of it is that, they, and they talk about this at the beginning of the movie to some extent, but then they kind of just don't mention it ever again, really. Um, which is, which is that the United States had something to do with the anger of the populace in Iran. That our actions, our political actions, our foreign policy did have something to do with that. And this is a really, really touchy subject for yeah. a lot of people. And it still is. It's, and that's what I'm saying. It is a really, really touchy subject for a lot of people. And that, because, the, you know, if you start talking about uh, international blowback or foreign policy blowback, people start feeling like, well, you're saying we're at fault for terrorists, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, well, no, they shouldn't have done what they did. Right. No doubt. But okay? actions have consequences. Right. But we shouldn't have done what we did either. Right. We shouldn't have gone over there. Uh, well, I mean, and this goes back for, what, like a, a hundred years or more of going over there and just tampering with stuff, you know, deposing this dictator and putting another dictator in that we think will be more fitting for our ends. I mean, people just totally forgot the fact that Saddam Hussein was in power because of us, apparently. Um, you know, we, we basically put him in power and then went back and knocked him out. And in Afghanistan, the same way. I mean, we were we were funding the uh, Taliban and giving them weapons because they were helping us. And then later, we came had to come back. And once they became a, a power that was threatening to our uh, ends and policies and, and, and designs, you know, we had to come back and, and, and fight with them. And, you know, so we're just like... We, it's almost like if we hadn't tampered in the first place, we, there, 
there'd be a lot that we wouldn't have to deal with in many ways. And all and, it, and it's on both sides. Right. It's warmongering on the conservative side to some extent, but also on, on the other side, you've got this one world government idea right. and like the one world economy idea that we could easily do without having anything to do polit- anything to do politically with the Middle East. Right. Really, we really could. It's really possible, but they they won't let us do it on either side. Right. On either side of the aisle, they're not letting us do it. And so when you watch a movie like this, you want to root for America, and at the same time, you're like, wait, 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 wait a second. Let's go back to the beginning here. The whole reason why this is a problem, the whole reason why we're having these difficulties is because we're tampering in the first place. And I highly doubt that more tampering is going to fix the situation. You know? Yeah, and that's that's what... uh Ron Paul would would get mm-hmm. would get lambasted about because well he's 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 really weak on foreign policy yeah well, he's a America hater unpatriotic yeah yeah an America hater right. like no he's he's actually an America lover right he loves us he's he's <laughs> and he wants to focus on this right. what we have here not not our not our colonial efforts everywhere else around the world right and. I can I can see it both ways. Like I said, I was I was in the military. I can I can see that every president's handed a ticking time bomb. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't he didn't create this. You know, he didn't he just we all kind of come into this world inheriting the sins of our fathers. Right. Um, so he he gets he, he gets what he gets, and and he has to deal with it. I understand that you that you can't just say we're, sorry, sorry, out. We're, we're we're going home. We're taking our soldiers and leaving. Yeah, because there are a lot of people in in, in those countries that may be the weaker element Correct. that are actually depending on right. there being American presence. Correct for their freedom. Right. You know, the majority of the people there might be bloodthirsty criminals, right. and that's the whole reason why that minority. Right. You know, is depending right. on us because as soon as we leave, and we've seen it over and over and over and over and over again, as soon as that presence leaves, the quote unquote imperial presence, there's you know mass bloodshed, genocide of right. the, of these weaker populations that can't protect themselves. Right. Yeah. Like like all the all the starving in Africa. I right. mean, they're, they're not starving for lack of food. Mm-mm. They're 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 starving because of their own their own political regimes. Well, their own political regimes, the lack of opportunity, the the culture of laziness. I mean, there's like there's like three hundred million factors involved right. in all of this. And what I'm saying is, it's probably the case that we're not the answer. Right. Like L- least of all, sending a skid of food right over there that 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 doesn't that doesn't solve anybody's problem. But right. it, but it makes people over here feel better. It does. Like they it, did something. Right. Like we did something. It does make us feel a little bit better. But then at the same time, you know. And this was one of the things that Ron Paul kept talking about over and over again. Lead by example. Right. We've got tons of things here in, in our country that we need to fix. Right. You know, we don't. We how can we export freedom when we don't even have it here? Right. Uh, you know, we're we're selling something we don't have on the shelves. Right. So, I, I I think that there's a lot of that, and it's it's maybe paid lip service to in this movie, but really, honestly, the movie overall in the end feels like. A sort of rah rah reing, right? You know, I mean, even this idea that like we did what was noble and we did what was right and we didn't get credit, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and then now, but see, now this movie is giving us right. credit, right? You know, it's it's even giving us credit for not taking credit when we did it, right? So there's there's some definite fist pumping going yeah. on here, and and that part of the movie was obnoxious to me mm-hmm. like that part of the idea of the movie was obnoxious again now we're getting into the meta narrative right. aspects of it you know the motivations because i'm having a hard time understanding the motivations of a movie like this coming out of hollywood like it it, it kind of boggles my mind a little bit are we yeah yeah well um it was interesting i looked it up today because they they flashed that that image of the of the crumbling hollywood sign mm-hmm. twice you know you right. see it you see it during the film and then during the closing credits, they show you the actual they, photo. They, they, yeah, they intersperse real, real photos with with what it looked like in the movie, just to kind of show you. And the actors look a lot like the real people. I mean, they did a really good job there. Yeah. Um, not like I would ever would have known it, it, had they not shown me a picture at the end. Right. Um, but the uh, one of the one of the meta narratives I think is uh, that. This is almost like Hollywood's rebirth. Mm-hmm. This this is a moment for Hollywood to 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 do something important and to do something good, rather than than just um, than just 
turn in on itself and congratulate itself and become this 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 inside society that it's become this is a is an opportunity for hollywood to to really be on the on the world scene by but it's but it's a hypocrisy it, it well it is a hypocrisy is like major hollywood it, it is won the oscar like but the- this is this is where i think um affleck as the director really really pushes he he he, he he's trying to because he's he's one of the, he's i mean he's an insider now but he's he's an he's, insider outsider he's still an outsider um he and Matt Damon both. You know, they like to they like to think of themselves as aloof from right. the Hollywood scene, even though they're they're totally they're all a part of it. it. Um, so, flashing that that crumbling Hollywood sign. Now, this was 1979. Yeah, I I, I I researched and I found today that the Hollywood sign was fixed in 1978. So it's ahistorical mm-hmm. to, to show that it's anachronistic. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 not showing the that. At, in 1979, the Hollywood sign would have been fixed, so it wasn't crumbling. I mean, it's an icon. It's it it it's not it's not really that huge of a deal, but it, it is, is a be- really big deal because, because it's it, what it's trying to portray. Exactly, it speaks to the meta narrative. There it speaks to the motivation. Right. right. Because in both cases, Ben Affleck plays the same character in both cases in both stories. He plays the rogue director, and he plays the rogue agent. Mm-hmm. The rogue agent of the ineffective insider group known as the CIA who doesn't get any credit and the rogue director of the insider group known as Hollywood who doesn't get any credit in both cases he's playing the same character and in both cases he's trying it's like it's it's boggling to me I'm sitting here going do you understand you can't really have it both ways right you you can't I mean it's it's like one of the Pharisees but the point is he can't understand it because, like we just talked about, he's he's an insider who likes to think of himself as an outsider. So he just takes that same idea and but puts it to film. they all think of themselves that way. I know That's they what's do. hilarious. I mean, the whole when I was in L.A., that was the classic feel of the attitude of people in general was like, oh, I LA belong, is so tired. I belong here, but everybody else exactly. is like, yeah. L.A. has just been overrun by people that really don't know what's up. And yeah. Like, you know, I mean, did you see... Uh, I mean, it's it's it's. This is the feel, I guess, of all things that are like this. The hipster movement does it as well. You know. Oh me- yeah. Remember that? Did you ever see the the show Portlandia? Yeah. Have you ever seen any of it? Yeah. There's this one episode. It's so over. Exactly. Yeah. It's so over because they go and they see a certain type, a certain element of people hanging out at that place. So right. now it's not cool anymore because it's not insider doing anymore. Doing the same exact thing that they you were, were doing. doing a week ago. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But now it's cool because everybody else caught on. Right. But then it's not cool because everybody else caught on, right? <laughs> yeah. Right, and so then you have to make something else cool. You have to go somewhere else, right? You know, but but at the same time, you're always there's an ironic distance uh, from everything that you approve. You know, there's uh, y- you can't be sincere, right? There's a there, because sincerity is totally open to mockery, right? Which they cannot apparently handle to right. any degree whatsoever. Yeah, you're only coming because we were here first. But we're here because we actually dig this mm-hmm. because we actually like it. You're you're here because you're trying to make an image because mm-hmm. you're 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 trying to portray something that that you're really not right. And they're usually accurate here. because it's easy to see in others the things that are in yourself. I mean, that's the thing, right? Yeah. Um, that there was that statistic that I that, that I read to you the other day about oh, yeah. sixty six percent. The American Bible site, the American Bible Society, did a did a survey. Uh, commissioned and they uh, they conducted it through the Barna Group. Sixty six percent of of the people surveyed said that the Bible is uh, in, it contains everything that you need to live a fulfilled life. To that 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 life would have meaning and purpose. Sixty six percent said this, but then fifty eight percent. In a in a different where they asked different questions in a different section, fifty eight percent said they weren't really interested in what the Bible had to say on the, on this list of topics <laughs> like family, parenting, uh, relationships, um, life and death issues, illnesses, you know, like the issues of life. Right. Um, so so sixty six percent say yeah the Bible has everything we need to live a, a, a fulfilled life, but fifty eight percent say no thanks. Yeah. You know because. And, and even if you if if you do the math and say well it was the it was the other thirty four percent 
who didn't who don't who don't think the Bible has any any meaning and purpose. You still got twenty four percent overlap. You still got a quarter of the people who are saying, "Yeah, I, I believe that," but no, I don't, because it's for everybody else. Right. It's that same thing. Well, I don't need it, right. but they do. Right. All those all those people out there that are running around directionless, they're the ones that really need to know this. They're the ones that need to to be reading the Bible. Right. Not me. But yeah, it has to do with hypocrisy. That people think it's good. People think the Bible is good for other people. And moral systems are good for other people, but not for me. I don't need that. Yeah, it's it's the personally. it's the, and I I brought that up in the article. It's it's the it's the Voltaire story, you know. Don't don't tell the servants there is no God because right. then they'll steal the silver. Right. You know. Well, we're okay. Mm-hmm. We own the silver. We know there is no God, and that's fine. But mm-hmm. don't tell them because they need the all watching eye to prevent them from stealing it. Right. Because we know they're just thieves. Yeah, and it's extremely easy. When you're in, when you're one of the Hollywood elite, to criticize Hollywood elite is elitism, it's very easy from that perspective to do that. You know, when you're enjoying the fruits of mm-hmm. it, you can go ahead and hack away at the roots of it. You know, that's why it's kind of hilarious to me that most of the people, most of the people, if not all, I can't actually think of any that weren't that have criticized the aristocracy, have all been members of the aristocracy. Marx could not have written what he wrote if he hadn't have been landed gentry you right know? like it wouldn't have been possible for him to take all that time off from work if he didn't have a job to do right. you know, like he, it was just, he was basically like an unemployed person living off of the wealth of his aristocratic name and family uh, fortune so you know that's kind of I, that seems to just be an yeah. old thing that has been the case for hundreds of years, maybe even longer. There's that scene in The Aviator. Isn't that what it's, isn't that what it's called? The avi- with Leonardo DiCaprio? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Where he's where he's with uh, with that, that that girl's rich family, mm-hmm. who, who and they're all sitting around the table, and they 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 were saying something about money, and the and the and the old the old woman, like the grandmother, or something says, "We don't talk about money around here." And uh, Leonardo, who was who was he playing? He was a uh, he was. Hugh, Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes. Yeah. yeah, he said that's because you have it. Right. So we don't talk about money around here. Well, of course you don't because you don't have to worry about it. Right. It's it's not a concern of yours. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought that was a really um, it's it's that that's that same thing. It's that that well we don't we don't talk about food around here. Well, yeah, because you, you don't need to. Food. You have it. Right. No, and, and and that is the case in general, and I, and it seems like. That's why I have a really hard time listening to Hollywood talk about anything. Right. Like, and it's crazy to me that they all think that their political opinions are actually that important. they matter. Yeah. You know, it's like you, you're an actor. You realize that? I mean, you're 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 hardly better than a scarecrow. You're an animated scarecrow. You you, you get paid to be somebody else. Exactly. Your personal opinions, being as uneducated as they are, generally really don't have any more weight than anybody else's personal opinions, but because you're a celebrity, it matters. Right. And you can get behind causes and actually make changes. And I think that's part of the that's part of the interest of the movie as well though, and it is clever, if nothing else, that it it's like the the almost the main message of it as far as Hollywood is concerned is this is hot air. This is total hot air. Right. Just like everything else. Just like everything else. Yeah. But it accomplishes something. It's hot air that accomplishes something because people believe it. R- r- right. That, that's, that's, that's what I was talking about. The, the message of um, the crumbling Hollywood sign, it's like for, for 40 years now, I guess the 30s, 20s, 50 years or so, for, we've, we've, we've made stories. We've told stories. We've entertained America. And... America's really no better off for it. Look at our sign. Right. The sign's crumbling. You know, we, we really right. don't have much to show for it. But here, here's our opportunity to make up a story, to fabricate something, and actually do something. Do something good. Yeah. And that's why you have the, you know, Alan Arkin looking at the the TV when they're asking him to be the, the uh, you know, the head of this production company or something like that. Uh, Studio Six or whatever, yeah. you know, and he's looking at the TV and and he think he's he, and you see all of the the medals and all of the awards he has on the wall. None of them mean anything, right. but he looks at the TV and he sees these, you know, this Iranian brutality, and there's kind of this glimmer in his eye, like 
I'm going to do something about That's this. That's something. This is something to do. Yeah. This is something real. This is something significant. Everything I've done before has just been stories. But now I can make the same kind of failed movie, but for a good purpose. Well, and he so much as, as admits that. Yeah. Because when, um, when John Goodman reminds me, he's like, well, we're not going to really do this movie. He said, well, if I'm going to do a fake movie, I'm going to do it the best I can. Right. Just like I do all my other ones. Right. Because they're all fake. Right. <laughs> Yeah, no, and, and that, that's, I mean, John Goodman has that line where, uh, uh, you know, Ben Affleck is talking to him, is talking to him and, and, and he's like, so you're coming here, you have no idea what you're doing, uh, you have yeah. no money, you yeah. don't know anybody, you know. You'll fit right in. You'll fit right in. Yeah. <laughs> like that, you know, where it's like everybody's like that. And then he talks about how everybody here is just full of lies. And then later when Alan Arkin comes out, he's like, so do you actually know Warren Beatty? Yeah. He's like, ah, I sat next to him yeah. one time in the bathroom. You know, <laughs> yeah. and it's like there's this, there's this whole thing where they're poking fun at the lies of Hollywood. But at the same time, there, the, there's a sort of uh, doubling back on right. that right. saying well yeah the, Hollywood's full of lies but these are lies that because they mean something to people become significant this is all we've got yeah this is all we got left so we have to hold this with all we have serious emptiness involved there though I mean that, really ultimately that is that is so very empty right and it's so very cynical is it not I mean I that and, and again when you watch the movie at first I talked to a friend of mine Derek uh, you know Derek of Derek. You don't know him yet, but uh, I know the idea of he's Derek. He's one of our faithful <laughs> listeners, so he'll probably uh, be listening to this at some <laughs> point. But we talked about the movie a little bit because he had seen it, and he said he really liked the movie when he first saw it. He thought it was well made, and it was a good story, and it really gripped him. And you know, he was like, "Man, that's that's really great. What happened? What they did? You know." And then he talked to one of his other friends, one of my other friends too, uh, Sean in California. Sean, who lives in, you know, the heart of all of that garbage. In Plastic City. Exactly. So he, you know, he lives, Sean's over there having to deal with the hypocrisy and the uh, blowhardism of all this just liberal establishment over there, just totally sick to his stomach of it, you know. And then he, he talks to Derek about this movie, and Sean just points out all these elements, you know, the hypocrisy of it, the, uh, the, um, kind of self-congratulation that's even at the same time in the same breath as self-criticism. Right. It's like a self-criticism that is a self-congratulation. Yeah, in spite of ourselves. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and Derek, at that moment, it kind of like turned for him where he, he saw it in that light. He saw it from the meta-narrative light and said, you know, wow, this, this movie really is kind of gross right. in those terms. It's it's really despicable, yeah. actually, in those terms. Well, it's kind of captured in what they say over and over again. Mm-hmm. You know, Argo, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what they think, right? Yeah, exactly. I I, I can't say it, but that's, uh, that's you have to see the movie, and that's what they that's what they say. Know what I'm saying <laughs> Argo dot dot dot. Yes, Argo, flip your farmer self. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. But that, that, it's kind of like a catchphrase that the that the that the producers use. Um, but then at the end, it, it has a has a really important element because some lady from Canada actually asked Alan Arkin, who was the who's the the fake producer, you know, how come the Canadians can do this? Why can't we Americans do something like this? And that's where he says, "Argo, uh, yeah," and because he. He really did want to take credit. He right. really did. He wants to wants to say, "Look, look, lady, we did. That, yeah. that was us." Right. But this is, this is all I can offer right now. Right. And even Jimmy Carter. I don't know when they recorded Jimmy Carter talking at the end of the movie after the credits. But Jimmy Carter even says that that it was really tempting. He really, really wanted to take credit because he even said, "You know, it was something good that my presidency did." And we all know that Jimmy Carter's presidency yeah. needed something good. Yeah, <laughs> like he's there's not a big long list of no, things. Like, it's, <laughs> it's like he he's he's known for something that the only reason we even know about it is because Ronald Reagan <laughs> told us about it as far as stagflation. <laughs> but like, <laughs> but Jimmy Carter is one of those. You know, in the history of America, ranked on both sides of the aisle as one of the worst presidents yeah. of all time. <laughs> like nobody wants to take credit for him. No. Like. So, but yeah, you know, he was at the end of the movie talking about how badly they wanted to take credit for it, and I'm sure 
that they're all really happy with themselves, Hollywood and Washington, mm-hmm. for being able to finally, you know, pat themselves on the back and say, "Look at this! Look at this great thing that we did." But you know, this is just this is kind of like uh, you know a surgeon coming in making an extraordinarily horrible mistake like leaving leaving a scalpel in your stomach and then later saying oh you know i need to take some responsibility here so you know going in and pulling the scalpel out after you've been suffering for however long and you're never the same right but at least he did that one thing that he can point to but it's like it's because of how lame you are that you have had to redeem yourself to some small extent in this particular instance. Right. It's because of the sins of your past that you're having to make, uh, you know, quote-unquote reparations for it. But they just want to forget about all the things that lead up to it and just cherry-pick these particular instances where they have, uh, you know, accomplished something of value. And, I mean, Hollywood's like that, and so is Washington. And it, what's hilarious is that this movie is Washington and Hollywood kind of bundled up together, and it really exposes the fact that, honestly... That they're both the they're, same. They're both the same. <laughs> they're both just a huge production. Yeah. It's a huge production. Yeah, it's, there's... It, and that that's why there's... that. that that's why you'll, you'll fit right in. Mm-hmm. Because you're coming from the the fake... Where, where I mean, this is like the fake of the fake in the CIA. Right. I mean, this is this is where nothing is as it, as it seems. No. Same here. Right. That's why you'll fit it. Yeah. That's why you'll fit here in Hollywood. Right. You'll feel right at home. And I, 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 I mean, the movie seems to really try to get you to believe that, which is what's so strange to me, because I'm like, these are Hollywood people trying to make a movie where America is, is uh, portrayed in a positive light. And yet, in the very process of doing that, they're portraying America and Hollywood both in a fairly despicable light. But in the end, apparently, people receive it as if it's America in a positive light. Right. Uh, That's very strange to me. Yeah. And this is something that Joe and I were talking about earlier. The, uh, The conservatives, the Christian conservative market is a huge market for movies. Now, we know who's making movies in general. They're not Christian, and they're right. not conservative. So they know that they're, they have a huge market of people who want like a pro-America, pro-family kind of movie, at least in a general sense. And so these big film companies, these big production companies out there in Hollywood in the middle of liberal land, in the middle, middle of really like a, a morally, politically, ethically, etc., despicable culture are producing these movies in order to make money. And in a way, there's a sort of tongue-in-cheekness to it. Like, these movies are really bad a lot of times. Argo was not a badly made film, but a lot of times these movies are really, really bad, over-the-top, heavy-handed, etc. You know, really stupid, low-brow, like, bottom-of-the-barrel kind of uh, artistic productions. And it's almost as if the liberals are saying, this is how stupid you are, that you'll like something like this. And then, you know, if they said that straight to our faces, we would resent them and say, no, you're wrong. We're, we're, we have better taste than that. But you know what? We go to their movies. We fill the theaters and pay them millions of dollars. to. Be, so we prove in many ways... That they're right. That they're right. Yeah, but see, then my question about... And, and I, don't, I don't doubt that that's true. But why then... Why would it even go so far as, as the Academy... Saying, um, what does the Academy have to gain by by agreeing with that and going all the way by giving it the best the best film of 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 twenty twelve? Surely there were other movies that they could have given it to, and nobody would have batted an eye. Yeah, but this was a this was a politically expedient one in a lot of ways, and it, and and I, that's why I think it because the Academy wants to say we're not above criticizing ourselves as a country. Or as a you know as a film you know in the film world we're not above self criticism and you know taking our knocks but it be, but only because it's harmless only because in the end they haven't taken any knocks at all only in the, because in the end they haven't received any criticism it's like the drunk who thinks it good enough that he admits to drunkenness but never stops drinking he considers it a virtue that he's honest with you about his sin. But he's not willing to actually deal with it. Yeah. And so he's like, 
you know, so when you come back to him and you say, hey, dude, you're still drinking just as much as you did. Yeah, I know, man. Such a problem. Yeah. But that's it. But I know I have it. I know, I know, I know I have this I'm, problem. I'm, I'm, I'm really working on it. How? Well, by acknowledging it By acknowledging first. it. That's the first step. Yeah. You know. I think I read that somewhere. Right. But, but the... Con- Sold on Roseanne or something. But there's a certain cowardice in that and a complacency in it that... And a lot of people feel this way to some extent or another. I mean, we all do it in some way. Right. Where it's like, because I've admitted my faults in this area, that that is virtue enough. <laughs> I don't need to go any further than that. Yeah. You well, know? yeah, again, I mean, and, and that, that may be also what's tied up in that 66%, 58%. Mm-hmm. 66%, oh, it's enough to say, oh, yeah. Yeah, the Bible's all you need. But nobody's but, perfect. Yeah. But 58% <laughs> of us aren't willing to do it. Right. We're, well... Yeah, I know what I'm I said. I'm only human. So, in other words, you're admitting to being a hypocrite. Well, right. no. Well, yeah, you are, actually. It, 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 it may be two separate questions, but you really are. In between, you're admitting it. But, but, I mean, then they would just say that. You know, it's like, well, I mean, we can't always be good. We can't always be perfect. Nobody's perfect. Everybody's human. We all sin. We're all, you know, right. da, da, da. And, and, and that's the end of it. Like really, like that is the end of it. When yeah. you start talking to people about these issues, they say things like, "Well, nobody's perfect." Oh, and so that's you're the end perfect. Of the argument. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and and no, we're not obviously, but I do think we can do a lot better as a country in general and as a church in general. I really do think we can do. Oh, well, we sure hope so. Yeah, because if we can't, yeah. we're doomed. <laughs> we're do- and we might be doomed anyway. Like it comes a certain point where you know it's like it's easier to tear this building down than try and fix it, right? Yeah, <laughs> so many cracks over, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but the um, but the one of the major things, and again, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit this over and over and over again. We we really as a church, we need to be making good movies, good movies all around, and. I just I don't think we are yet, and this is just another example. Like, it's a well-made movie, and it's subtle in a lot of ways, and it may not even be easy to pick up on how how much it's it's uh, criticizing the very people that it's appealing to, right? And criticizing the very people that it comes from, while at the same time congratulating both everybody. It's a very strange movie in that sense, but I think as a church. We can do better than that. We can. We can. And and if if history is God's story, and and we have, well, it is Michael. It's his story, right? Yeah. You know. Then what? I mean, even if you don't even Shakespeare didn't write any of his own uh, stories, his own plots. They were all plots that were taken from other sources. He 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 was just good at adapting them, you yeah. know. And and we don't necessarily Hollywood doesn't have any new material either. Apparently, oh I mean, no, it's no. all remakes. And uh, you know, they they've gotten so desperate. Like that that what was that game? Uh, Battleship, Battleship based on yeah. the board game. Yeah, it's like when you're basing a movie on a board game, like you've really reached the end of your uh, narrative material. There, GI Joes. Oh, Monopoly's in the making. I mean, to what extent does this movie fall into hagiography? I don't know. I, I haven't. I haven't done a lot of research on what actually happened, so I, I don't. I can't really say beyond any shadow of a doubt. But just based on, first of all, my gut instincts, yeah, and 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 what Hollywood has about pretty much known for, I would say a lot. Um, there's but it, it's dead set on not being accused of hagiography, though. Oh sure, yeah, yeah, and. I know they declassified. I guess I guess Clinton was Clinton. the one that yeah. that, that declassified the story. Um, but what does that mean? I mean, declassified everything or just part of it? Or I mean, you never. I mean, it's the CIA. You never know. You never know what the what the whole story is. I don't right. even ever. Even if you think you have the whole story, you probably don't even have the story. You have something. They're they're such a. They live their lives around espionage and deception. Right. So wh- what what does truth matter to an organization like that? And I wonder what this even means as far as our foreign policy is concerned now. Because it is still a significant issue. I mean, it's not like Iran is a, you know, 
a bed of peace now. It, it's still no, out and of and, and at the end when when Sahar leaves, right? She, she, she goes, goes to Iraq. Iraq. Oh, like that's better. Yeah. Like, woo, got out of Iran, baby. <laughs> woo, yeah. No, and, and that's the thing. But I wonder what how what effect is this movie having? I would be interested. I haven't I haven't read anything, but I would be interested to know if there are Iranian. Uh, or Iraqi or Middle Eastern sources that have viewed the movie and are commenting on it. Mm-hmm. You know, if if it's doing nothing much more than just stirring up more antagonism. Uh, Iran tried to sue the studio Hollywood or whatever about this. Iran tried to sue. Is trying. Is trying. Wow. Well, I I don't. That's not all that surprising. Right. Um. Because what does Iran know? I mean, what really? What do they know? Um, if 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 what actually happened or if what was portrayed happened to some degree, they look like idiots because they they got the wool pulled, pulled over, over their eyes. Of course, they're going to sue and say, "Well, that's not really how this went down." But that's not even the worst part of it. It's not even the wool pull over their eyes thing that that's probably the most angering to them. It's probably the fact that they're all characterized as crazies. Yeah. As like fanatical, mad, bloodthirsty people. Yeah. And 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 again, you know, like like I said, my only experience was in the in in the in the the calm part right. down in the in the Indian Ocean, United Arab Emirates. But no. They were they were happy to have people there. They were just normal regular people. I I, I mean I didn't I didn't confront mobs or anything like that. No, no, this is this is a time when we were over there enforcing the uh, the no fly zone for for Saddam Hussein. So so no airplanes could fly between whatever the um I can't uh, the the zone where they they just weren't allowed to be flying in there. And we were over there enforcing it. Something we something we imposed upon them. The UN imposed upon them, and we were over there helping enforce it. Um, so there was there was a little bit of tension at that time, but not not in the United United Arab Emirates. And I I, I mean I would I would have wouldn't have really known any yeah any different. I, I mean I don't know I I I think to some degree that that is played up. Um, but there's twenty years from now when when movies are being made about Occupy Wall Street. They could just they as could easily be, yeah. They could look the same way because some people were were that hostile. Some people were that 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 worried. Tea party events, right? You know, they're, they're well, no. And then you got to wonder. In in a way, there's a similar drive going on there. Like human nature is really just like that. I, I asked people this before because you know about the issue of blowback and stuff like that. A lot of people are really sensitive about it. But I I've, I've said you know if if another country came here with their military <coughs> started driving around in the streets in their tanks what would you do you know if they took us over or if they deposed our civil government and placed another one in place of it or some of our leaders and put another one in place or whatever mm-hmm. you know maybe it was even for the better i don't know I'm saying maybe it was but if they started going down in your neighborhood in their tanks with their soldiers what are you gonna do? Yeah. Well, I'd fire at them. Yeah. I pull my guns out and I start shooting. At it them. would look remarkably similar. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I'm saying. I was like, well, look, that looks pretty much like what's going on over there. Yeah. And as far as these people are concerned, now maybe they've been fed lies. Maybe they they don't understand the whole story. You know, they're on the ground and they're being fed propaganda by their government, which we're never fed any propaganda. Oh no, by no, no, our no, government. no. We have a um, we have a we have a free press, Michael. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That was the funniest thing I ever heard. Uh, anyway, you know, I'm just saying that there's a lot of there are going to be a lot of similarities there because by by nature you're you're going to want to defend your home, right? Even if you're not fed propaganda, like even if I knew exactly what had happened, if another country comes over here and and there's a threat to uh, my local community, then I'm going to be willing to die in order to try it try to get that them out. Didn't. Didn't we fight a war yeah, in 1861 kinda, yeah, to 1865 over the same, right. the same thing? It was and our own we, people. Exactly. And we kind of, I'm sure, looked like terrorists. Yeah. 
we we probably were called terrorists of the, you know whatever the word for terrorists yeah. was at the time. Yeah. Well, in fact, there was that that one scene where the where the the Brian Cranston character wants to he really needs to get in touch with the guy so he finds out where his kids go to school right and he calls and tells i mean that's a terrorist tactic right right there but as soon as he gets the guy on the phone he tells him who it is he doesn't he doesn't try and and extort money from him right, or anything. Right, right. but it's the same tactic it's you because you know at that at that point in time you have an important message that you need to get heard and what you're doing you're willing, is right you're willing to yeah yeah you're willing to do extreme things that you wouldn't normally do and that's where it becomes a real slippery situation. And it becomes very, very gray. Yes. Very, it's very arbitrary. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, okay, so this movie brings that up, and that's, that's helpful. And then on the other side of it, it's not terribly helpful. Right. Because what do you do? We yeah, because re- you get to the end, oh, the ends justify the means. Exactly. Right. So everything, everything we did was right. Right. Because of what happened. Right. No, I mean, and, and they even gave Men- uh, Menendez or whatever the, uh, the star... You know, for oh, the highest yeah. combination the CIA can give, and he like, wasn't allowed to. He wasn't allowed to have. He right. wasn't allowed to admit having. Right. right. He wasn't allowed to admit having it. But what's interesting is, well, what what did he do? He he went completely against direct orders. Right. He totally and completely went against the 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 orders of his superior that came down from superior. It came down from superior. And because he went against it, he forced them right to have to because uh, it worked. Yeah. If, if it wouldn't if it have worked, hadn't worked <laughs> that guy would have been executed right. or something. You know right. what I mean? Like if those six guys had, if those six hostages that he was supposed to get out of the country had been killed, yeah. Oh my, yeah. Oh my, I, I that guy may have actually been executed. For yeah, that. yeah, or put on a plane yeah. that mysteriously went down. <laughs> yeah, 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 something. Um, Joe, Joe brought up the the, the idea of the, and and I, I don't. I mean, I think it's 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 just it's just pure pure fodder. I I don't think it really has any relation to the movie. I don't I don't think they tried to develop it at all. But his his relationship with his son and his and his wife, which you don't even see his wife until the end. Well, and it was important because it it was at least sub important for one that it had the family values element, which is really important to movie watchers. <laughs> Sorry, I don't think it did. Well, yeah, because he went back to her. He went back to his wife in the end. He didn't end. go back. He went back to see his son, and then she, and then she, then she comes up and hugs him. So it's 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 not clear that he didn't go back for her too. It's not clear. That's it. I mean, he it's it's like he comes back basically to but, see the boy. I know, but the subtitle says he stayed there with his family. That like he stayed with her. He stayed with his family. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know. I don't. I that because you don't. He says, we're t- what do you say, that we're taking a break? Yeah. Or, or whatever, we're trying to figure things out. It was left unresolved. It, it, it was, was it? totally unresolved, yeah. I didn't feel like it was terribly unresolved with the subtitle later, where it's it says like, that he... It's like watching the spin top of Inception. You do? I, think, I don't think it was quite as unresolved as that, but... I, I thought it was. I, I mean, I, I got the impression that he was mainly going back to see his son, and, and, be, and I, I think she probably had some inkling of, of what happened. Yeah, and that he was involved, so. and it was it was because she that probably was, knew that he was exfil. That was more important, you know that the fact that he's he's a he's an American hero, but nobody knows that. But that that like everything else was was water under the bridge at that point. But there's also the issue of coming home. Yeah, which is a you know I'm sure that they wanted to wrap up that theme too. I, I guess I don't know. To me, it, it felt a little chintzy. If, it was. If, if they were trying to push it, it then was. then it was really it was just like an afterthought. I, they were trying to push it without seeming like it was cheesy. See, that's the, that's the problem is you've got like you've got this new director who's probably overly careful and in other ways not as careful as you should be. But in these particular areas, he's like, oh man. You know, I'm not going to go Cameron Crowe on this. Yeah. And, like, you had me at hello, right? Like, uh, I love I, Cameron Crowe, by the way. <laughs> I watch no. every Cameron Crowe film that ever comes out. <laughs> I got to be uh, I gotta be more nuanced than all that. You know, and I think as a new director, again, I think a lot, of the, a lot of these kinds of issues come from uh, being afraid to, uh, being so afraid to do what's... Uh, typical that you end up doing what's typical in most areas and then just kind of undercutting it in other areas it's like i don't know yeah i don't know he either. still did an admirable job i mean i I've, but I've he never doesn't been call he doesn't call once back to 
There's no, the only time. Well, maybe he's not allowed to. I mean, that's probably one of the reasons well, why just, I'm talking. If, you, if, if, if it's an important element of the movie, then you then you give it you give something rather than just than just shoving it there at the end and having that 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 little scene in the middle where he tells Alan Arkin, "Oh, we're taking a break." It just there wasn't there wasn't any development of it, and then at the end, then there's a resolution. Resolution of what? What what just happened? Yeah. All right. Well. Overall, is this a movie that you would recommend? I do, yeah, I do recommend it. I think I think it should be seen, and I think it should be seen for the very reasons that we were talking about. Is because it is, and I don't know. I, I, for the Academy Award-winning movie, I was expecting more. It, w- it was well made. It was well put together. Um, it, I, I like the, the I like the the filming style because it there, there were there were times when you really you really felt like you were watching. A seventies movie, right? You know, they, they had a uh, had had that that grainy noise look, you know, with the right. with the uh, with the film grain and and other things. but overall, um, I was I was a little let down. I was I was expecting more out of out of how much how, how much hype there was. Um, I'd I'd probably give it two and a half out of five. But still recommend that people see it because that's a pretty <laughs> that's like failing. No, so uh, it's, yeah, it's yeah, it, it made it made part, it, and it is worth seeing because every film does this, right? Some 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 do it to greater and, and lesser degrees, but every film tries to pull you into its story and feed you a line. Mm-hmm. It may be a true line, it may be a false line, but it's t- it's trying to sell you a bill of goods through a an emotional story through some sort of dramatic element that 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 you try can you put words to what exactly this movie was trying to sell no i can't because it seems actually conflicted right it does it it does seem conflicted but i think i mean often that is life often when you when you try to do one thing i mean life is messy you do you do affect other things by by trying to do something else, um, but I don't I don't think this this movie had a consistent message because it didn't have a consistent message from the beginning. It's what well, we're trying we're trying to poke fun of the government, we're we're trying to poke fun of Hollywood, but in the end, what we're really trying to do is show how great both of these organizations are, right? And and the good things that they do. So I mean, you can't. You can't do both and and come across without a confused audience who who really gets what you what you just did. Uh, it's almost like we succeeded in spite of ourselves, or it's almost like in spite of how flawed we are, in spite of how you know fallible we are, because of the fact that we take responsibility, good intentions. We have good intentions and we take responsibility. Then, in the end, things work out. And so, you have to express that there's a fallibility. So you do that through self-criticism. But then, the main thrust, though, is the idea of good intentions. We have, we have good intentions. We're at least, we're at, we're at least applaudable at points. Yeah. And I think you just described the movie too. Yeah, there's there's point there's points in the movies that are in, in the movie that are really really good and compelling. Then there's other parts that are just that it's just kind of like the filler. <laughs> it's like getting right getting to the next big scene. Right. All right. So yeah, I, I I'm going to agree with you. I, I might give it three stars, just as far as filmmaking is concerned. I did think. Screenwriting wise, acting wise, direction, cinematography, etc., that it was a solid movie mm-hmm. on those fronts. That's not I, what I would criticize most about the movie. I, I think that the movie was afraid to say to too great an extent on one side or the other what it was that it that the writers believed. It was like they they it, they thought it's like an almost, American news story in that regard. Yeah, <laughs> right. Where they thought the way to be fair and balanced is to do two opposite things, 
And you're like, well, no, that's not the way to be fair and balanced. Yeah. The way to be fair and balanced is to upfront say, hey, by the way, since you already know this, this is my opinion. You know? Like, the, the, this is this is my perspective. I'm going right. to tell you the story from my perspective. And, I mean, you've got to love you've got to love authors and screenwriters and directors who are willing to do that, even if you don't agree with them in the right. end. There's at least a transparency there. This movie did not feel transparent. Um, as transparent as it pretended to be, that was almost part of its rhetoric. Yeah. There was, like, a rhetoric of transparency, but that in itself is disingenuous. Mm-hmm. And I, I do not... I, I did not appreciate that. Yeah. The, the more I think about the movie, the more kind of sick I am. Yeah, concerning th- it. there should have been a disclaimer at the end that the, this this film has been approved by by the Screenwriters Guild and Washington. <laughs> right. <laughs> like. Right. So, it, in other words, it means nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyway, all right. On the show notes, you can also check out a movie bite review. That's a written review of Argo, and you can also listen to a podcast that Joe and TJ did on the movie Argo as well. All, both of those links are in the uh, are in the notes there. And thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time when we talk about some other movie that we haven't determined yet. See you next time. <laughs>